So welcome, 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 so welcome to No to Stupid, no stupid Questions. Hello, stupid everybody. This week's up, folks? It's for real. It's with for real. T. Leak like, and Jay. Like a dungeon dragon. What's up? No, no <laughs> specific <laughs> order. I love No Stupid <laughs> Questions show. Can we curse on this show? Do whatever it's we feel. Real. Time okay. is your question for today. No. Like All right. Stupid. So, question. <laughs> What's the name no of the show, Jay? No stupid questions. Okay. Welcome to this episode of... My first question is, who are you? No stupid questions. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Jag, and I have my co-host, T. Link. Hey, hey. Yes, and we're here for another episode of the No Stupid Questions show, the show where we have two smart people and one stupid question, or so we thought. T. Leak, how are you feeling today? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I have to say, reflecting on it, I'm feeling influential. Ooh. I try to find some words to actually put to, you know how people say I'm feeling some kind of way? I'm yep. trying to not yep. say that and figure okay. out how am I feeling? Influential. All right. But well, it's a good time to record your thoughts and things because um, <laughs> people need influence sometimes. Uh, they, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll I'll see. feel influential. You have to see the outcome to feel that way. But yes, I had a couple outcomes today that I felt influential about. So very good. In a good way. In a good way. Okay. So let's keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. What's our okay. question for today? Our question for today is Has justice been served for George Floyd? Ooh. I don't know. I always respond to your questions that way. I, I guess that's a the first first response is ooh because it's a good question. It's but you know, a, is it a stupid question? No, it's a well. It, <laughs> actually, it may be a stupid question. We'll see. We'll see as we get through this yes, discussion. Yes. So I think I'm gonna surprise you today because my answer is no. Oh, see, I was gonna say the same thing. Oh, wow. So we're on the same page. So let's figure out why. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I know people are saying, well, the verdict was guilty. Guilty on all counts. On all counts. Yes. All counts that they brought. Well, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Are you hinting at something? Are you hinting at something? Um, not, not my reason, but maybe oh. I'm hinting at your reason. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know all of the, I mean, you know, I would just wanted the book thrown at him. Okay. Um, because whatever the opposite of a crime of passion is, like you did this, like with just no emotion, like <laughs> you need to be strung up for this. And sentencing hasn't happened yet, but yeah, the, you know how they always, when they talk about sentencing, they talk about, for instance, the death sentence, they always talk about the type of crime right. and how it was committed. And there's just a callous disregard for life that is just, I mean, it's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. So, so that, so I don't know what the, the best count or, or, you know, charge would have been, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know if he got all the counts that I wanted. Well, he probably didn't get all the counsel that you wanted the way you described that. So let's just go through a very brief criminal law overview. Thank you, sir. Okay. Very brief. Because I am not a criminal lawyer, even though I played one on TV once. <laughs> Actually, I had some, I had a few criminal trials. 
But anyway, first first degree murder, first degree murder is the most serious and results in in Minnesota anyway, in life in prison if convicted. So first degree murder is the most serious in every state. Some states you can get more than life in prison. You can get the death sentence. But in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. it would have been life in prison. So they did not charge him with that. So they did not put on evidence of first degree murder. And, so, and first degree murder, can you just be a little more descriptive of what that is? Because, I, I oh, oh, you're, you. oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you want, you talked about throwing the book at people. So the life in prison yes. is, is the throwing the book part. But to prove. Mm, there's more. There's but not in You can throw it in. I know. Okay. No, I know. Yes. But I'm okay. saying. Okay. Okay. To prove first degree murder, you have to prove that the act was either pre-planned or that other major crimes were committed with it. Uh, you know, and there's some few other situations, but you usually first degree murder is it's pre-planned or other major pr- crimes were committed at the same time. If you rob a bank and you kill somebody while robbing a bank, even though your intent was not to kill someone initially, you can be brought and found guilty on first degree murder charges if they prove that you actually killed someone while committing this while other crime. Committing the crime yeah. Or okay. obviously if you pre-plan it, if you wake up one day and say, uh, you know, I'm, I want to kill somebody and you you put a plan together and execute it in a in a few days, then that's obviously the types of things that it will likely land uh, bring you up on first degree murder charges. Okay. So second degree murder is intentional or unintentional. So it's, it's when you kill someone either intentional or unintentionally. And that is punishable up to 40 years in prison in Minnesota, which is the charge, the most serious charge that was brought in the Chauvin case. Okay. Third degree murder requires a lower standard of proof. Prosecutors have to show that the death was caused by an act that was obviously dangerous, though not necessarily a felony. And, and that results in a maximum sentence of 25 years. And then manslaughter is a even lower burden of proof brought with a maximum penalty of 10 years. And manslaughter basically is your act resulted in the death of someone without being as serious as someone might consider for a second or third degree murder. So quick question, when I say throw the book, I do, you know, but yeah, it. Wh- why do you bring those three charges, like different types of taking of life. Why, why does, why, why yeah, do most why does states a lawyer, set up their laws yeah, that way? Yeah, I mean, because. So the prosecutor brings, decides which charges to bring, basically based on the facts. And usually you go after the most serious offense that you think you can prove. You know, I guess over a long period of time in America, the state legislators, legislature have decided that there are different degrees of murder taking a life you know the the mental state you had when you took someone's life should result in different penalties although that person's life is is no longer there so they really look at the mental state of the person who committed the crime so but 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 because they are it is set up to have sort of graduated okay you know seriousness mental state Right. Why bring all three? I guess that's what I'm wondering, because it seems like all three are, were kind of the options, but the most serious, like you said, they usually bring the most serious, but they brought all three. Well, you don't want to lose, you, you don't want to lose a case on the most serious one where you could have proven a lesser included charge and did not 
and then the person goes free because you didn't bring those those lesser charges. I see. Okay. Okay. So a lot of times what, what will happen, and I think there were a few people who were a little upset in this case that the first degree murder charge was not brought, was that in the minds of the jury, juries often, it is thought, like to, don't like to give the most serious, most serious, don't like to convict of the most serious crime. So some people think you should put the more serious crime in there so that the jury can feel good about letting the person off on that one but finding them guilty for some of the lesser crimes. Got it. Okay. Now back to what you were saying. You felt, you say no, because, well, first of all, the the sentencing hasn't happened yet. Yes. So in my mind, we can't really talk about justice until we see what the sentencing is going to be. Because even though 40 years is the max for, the second degree murder charge, the judge may decide to give something significantly less than that. Well, so I'm thinking bigger picture here. Okay. Because of the feelings, the momentum that his death caused, mm-hmm. his murder caused. And and because it is, it's not is gosh it's not the first and it's not going to be the last right so it almost feels like if this doesn't lead to some change it's not justice because it shouldn't you know it's one of those things that you know similar to you know mothers against drunk driving and you know when it happens to your loved one justice is not just getting the person that perhaps caused yours but it's 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 figuring out what's broken in the system okay that allows it to happen and doing something about that now of course you know a lot of these things are very systemic and but you know i think that there's you know some policing acts on the table um not policing acts but policing bills so i would like to see that that is where my no comes from is that this is way too long coming and it's you know it's it's almost like the school shootings to be honest because even in a school shooting if 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 the perpetrator was convicted of whatever at the highest level of what they could be convicted of if they did wind up killing people it's it's that's not justice justice is really making that person's death worthwhile Understood. Understood. Yeah. Interesting. And then I, I hate Interesting to say that saying, saying it that way sounds kind of, uh, but. Interesting um, angle. But I like where you're going with that. So what's, what's behind your, your no. So first of all, as I said, until I see the sentencing. You reserve judgment. It, I reserve judgment on whether or not he, he received justice. But, but in the, in the absolute sense, more philosophically, I don't think a person, a family can get justice in a criminal trial when their loved one is no longer there. Um, You cannot replace the life of George Floyd and the people that loved him and cared about him will never be able to replace that life that was taken away. So from an absolute sense, it's, it's hard to get justice based on a criminal trial. Now, we did focus on the criminal trial. There was a civil, well, there wasn't a trial, but there was a civil action, let's say, Mm -hmm. that was settled. Mm -hmm. And it was settled for $27 million. 
And again, I will say $27 million, which sounds like a lot of money, does not replace the life of a brother, son, father. It's just no way that $27 million replaces that. And, and that family would never re recover in the way they would have if George Floyd was still here. Yeah. That being said, what the $27 million does do <laughs> is it makes people contemplating these police reform actions think about the price they may have to pay if they don't enact some of these reforms. If you don't enact a no-knock warrant reform and your police officer kills an innocent person, your jurisdiction may owe someone in the neighborhood of $27 million because that is a precedent that's been set. If you don't enact a no-chokehold policy within your police department, you may be subject to a $27 million civil lawsuit. And I think, unfortunately, in this country where everything or most things come down to dollars, I think you needed that $27 million settlement in order to put that on the minds of some of these administrators when they think about how they're going to supervise their police departments. So I see that as very hopeful. Yeah, it would have been nice if it was $100 because that would put more on people's minds. But I think $27 million is enough to make some of these jurisdictions start to think about some of their policies and teach their police officers, hey, you probably need to do something other than disregard the life of a human being. Yeah. So that leans me towards maybe there will be some justice coming out of this and something positive that comes out of this. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm still looking for, you know, I don't know what the, the price is, right? I feel like, I mean, it is uh, apparently, and I was just looking at some of the other settlements, um, it's apparently one of the largest pre-trial settlements. Right. You know, and then apparently for Breonna Taylor, you know, she got 12 million and the agreement from the city to reform police practices. Right. The settlement actually stipulates some reforms. So for me, that, and I don't, did that, that didn't happen in the case of George Floyd, did it? Or So the settlement included some money for a Minneapolis neighborhood, but I do not remember if it included any promises on police reform. Yeah, I, you know, I, I and, you know, people have also been talking about the whole concept of uh, appeal based on. I don't even want to go down that path. Some things that were said by some Congress people and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I guess that, that, that would lean in the direction of justice. So I like the approach that the Breonna Taylor case took, which was to look at not just money, some action to make an attempt to you know, review, make changes to the system in such a way that hopefully it will not happen to someone else. So. Yeah, and, and I hear you about, you know, I wonder the value of the reform, I haven't seen it, that was put in the Breonna Taylor settlement. You know, I, I wonder the value of that. 
I mean, I, I hope it's all that you just said it was, and it leads to the, the right reform. I am hopeful that, again, as all of these administrations look at the risk management of what they do, that these dollar amounts is enough to sort of be the catalyst for them to make change. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that the best way to make institutions change is to hit them in their pocketbook. And I think that these go a long way into doing that. And I, I agree with you, except for the fact that this is unfortunately an exception. Unfortunately, if we look at it percentage wise, yeah, it's, it's a risk, but you know, how much do you have to pay to revise your, your, your whole system and retrain and blah, blah, blah. And so it needs to happen more in order for it to be a deterrent, in my opinion, because it is, it is too exceptional, right? And unfortunately, I think these administrators look at it and, and there's a lot of undisclosed settlements too, right? So a lot of times they keep it quiet. And I, I understand that Minneapolis in particular, I believe, or I was reading something that said that there is a state that has paid, when you look at the total they've paid, you know, undisclosed amounts to various people, blah, 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 blah. But it's ridiculous. So and I think Baltimore was also one of those cities. Uh, so I feel like, at least at the administrator level, they've known that these are risks and it hasn't been worth it to make the changes because the changes are big. So yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think that I, I wouldn't put my hat on justice in terms of if things actually do change and the the intention is is i think worthwhile for for justice so that it, it isn't just about money but it's about an, an honest pursuit of of a better way so that's that's just me that's just me <laughs> okay so how do we turn your no into a yes what what has what what demonstratively do you need to see in order for you to say that there was some justice that came out of the unfortunate events of 2020? I think that the, isn't there an act in the Senate? It's so the George Floyd the, Justice in Policing Act. Yes. And, you know, there are some things in there. I would love for that to be made into law and and again, we don't know what, but to have his name attached to something that has an intention and really gets us to um, some step forward. Um, okay. That, that, that for me would be the ideal. You know, and a lot of times, you know, settlements are great, but acknowledgement of it. And I don't, I don't know, uh, honestly, what has been said by the police department, what has been and, you know, oftentimes the actions, the implementation of some of these changes is is part of it, but acknowledgement of the problem, because that's something that is a first step. And, and I don't think we've gotten there in most cases. So, so I'm glad I'm sorry is I... simple. <laughs> OK, OK. But I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, because I, I guess I, I do think that as is a step in. If that is passed, then my answer becomes a yes. I do think that is a critical step 
and whether or not we look back on this and see whether or not there was there was justice served in in the George Floyd case. Mm-hmm. And just to remind people, among other things, the act lowers the criminal intent standard from willful no, willful to knowing or reckless. Um, and again, all of these crimes are based on the mental state of the person that that commits the crime. So so that will will help in getting convictions. It limits qualified immunity. So it opens the door the door to more and larger settlements in civil cases against against police officers and their departments. And it grants administrative subpoena power to the Department of Justice in pattern or practice investigations, which, you know, as a a former victim of being stopped all the time as I traveled from Texas to Louisiana for work, I would love to see the Department of Justice do some investigation of patterns and practice, patterns and practices of some of these police departments, because I do think there's something there. So, so yes, if those things pass, I think, you know, I can, I can clearly move my no to a, to a yes. And I, I want to add to the fact that it also, which I think is also, is, is extremely important because one of the things that has been lacking is data. And one of the things that we've seen in a lot of these cases with police officers is that they had had previous incidents. So I think the bill also creates a national registry. Right. For data on complaints and records of police misconduct. Right. So I think that is extremely important to have that transparency around, you know, who are we talking about here? Because I think that's also that also goes towards the liability that the police departments have in terms of now that you have that data, you cannot say you didn't know this person has this pattern, this and you you know, you're negligent if you're not doing anything about it. So it, I think it opens up a whole new thing when you have the data to be able to do things and be able to pursue justice in other cases. Right, right. So, all right. Well, you know, we always say, make sure you're involved in your political process. This is a specific thing to hold your Congress people to their feet to the fire, your representatives, your senators, and it's something that they can do and that they should be accountable for. And, you know, a lot of people will say a lot of things about, I, I think with George Floyd's death came this whole thing about defund the police. And there's been a lot of discussion about that. But, uh, you know, we, we certainly all need law enforcement. And so figuring out how to do it with accountability and transparency is, I think, the, the major next step that needs to be taken. So send your tweets, email your Congress people, join the petitions. Let's get that George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021 passed. Let's keep people's feet to the fire. All right. No stupid questions, y'all. Thanks, everybody. You can ask any question that you want or don't ask no stupid ass questions. (laughs) 